I'll like have some like, you know, thematic things that I want to touch on and I'm putting my phone on silent. Oh, and I'm taking my bra off. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yes. you know. I, I'm not, I've not been wearing a bra you this entire time. doing an interview with a bra on. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're getting loose. <laughs> okay, bra off. We've been drinking gin. <laughs> we're sitting on my couch, which... Well, one of my two couches, which is really designed for conversations Absolutely. with drinks and drinks. being cozy. Ding. Cheers. Welcome back to The Big D, a podcast about heartbreak and love, self-love, a journey back to self after heartbreak. It's a serious topic, but I don't take it too seriously. I definitely don't take myself too seriously. I'm your host, Miranda, married and divorced before age 30. I am 30, dirty, flirty, thriving. I'm really excited for you to listen in on this conversation with my friend, Liza. This is the second in a three-part series on co-parenting, and Liza shares her divorce story and how she and her ex have raised their kid together. Liza used to be my manager at my first career job out of university. Our relationship evolved from manager to mentor to friend. She feels a bit like an older sister, but we both learn from each other. I think. We have always had very honest conversations with each other, and she was a very important confidant in my years as a newlywed, both of us navigating our partner's mental health challenges together. We talk about the men of her generation, Gen X, only now getting access to mental health supports, going to therapy, understanding themselves, and how that leaves a very little room to make for a partnership. We talk about her teen vetting her dates, how her and her ex have navigated co-parenting, and how her relationship with herself has evolved. We mention this therapeutic technique, or maybe I'll call it approach. I don't know the technical term here. It's called Gottman, which is really the name of an institute named for its two founders and real-life couple, Drs. John and Julie Gottman. They have a lot of wonderful free and also paid resources on their website. This is not an ad, by the way. They have a podcast called Small Things Often. They have a card game uh, that you can download as an app, relationship quizzes, and all sorts of other things on their website. They have a lot of language that has helped me learn to articulate my behavior in relationships. One is bidding. Things we do to make a bid for attention from our partner. And in conflict, or even just in small ways, our partners can choose to accept or turn away from our bids. Turning towards our partners when they or we make these bids is how you build your connection. Dr. John Gottman also has a lot of research on what makes couples happy. 
And he's named something the five-to-one ratio, where for each interaction based in criticism, there should be five positive interactions, like affection, interest, apology, empathy, or appreciation. I love nerding out on the psychology of relationships, and Liza and I do it often. I really cherish our dynamic, and that's one of the reasons. We both value understanding people. Aside from the fact that she has a kid and I don't, a lot of her story resonates with me. There are often times in these intimate settings with people where I'm hit with a gut punch of emotions, but I have to stay present with them and I process after. Here's a bit of a later reflection from me. When I was going through perhaps the hardest time of my marriage, prior to the breakdown phase, my friend Danny, who is very blunt and honest, said to a friend, I think Miranda has lost all her softness. When I found out she said that, I was so angry. Angry at the time. Angry because I was hurt. Mutual vulnerability is a very important value to me in relationships. But she was absolutely right. I had steeled myself. I had essentially made myself the rock in the relationship to try and help it survive. Liza talks about running out of empathy in her marriage and then the subsequent softening she has experienced since her separation. And it's true that there are limits to people's empathy. And that softening is something you have to work on consciously. It is hard work and I am still in it. It's something I want. I want to find my way back to softness. So let's get to it. Liza says a lot of nice things about me in her intro. I almost felt like the meet cute questions uh, was fishing for compliments. But anyways, you don't have to believe her. Okay, so I'm here with my friend, Liza. Liza, yeah. what is our meet cute? Oh, meet cute. Okay, so I think we met... You were young. You were fresh out of school. Right? I was. Yeah. I was. I think you just graduated. Yeah, it was like six months after I graduated. And you were temping? I was a temp. And it was like you were kicking ass as a temp. Thank you. And I remember seeing how how hugely capable you were thinking, oh, I need her on my team. And so <laughs> I convinced the folks that it was critical to untemp you and permanentize you it's true yeah so um you were awesome on yeah the team that one i was that was a an incredible team for a few years and then you left me but so it is <laughs> um and i remember just finding you brilliant and lovely and warm and loyal and committed and super creative and super smart which you know, certainly made hanging out with you in those days awesome. I've gone downhill since, but... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also, it's no surprise that you're so good at, like, manifesting and developing and creating and generating these incredibly valuable conversations that you're having with folks to kind of develop an understanding of what it is of relationships and... How and one, how and when and why they work, and how and when and why they don't, mm -hmm. um, and the devastation that it takes to make choices to get out of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You also, I mean, I think 
our meet cute, you got to see me in some of the worst days in my marriage. Yeah. Like you experienced my trying to hide it and then not being able to hide it and my complaining and my, you know, coming to work exhausted or having cried mm -hmm. the night before or, you know. And, and, and then you, I think you also watched me, you know, move through the sadness and anger and resilience as I moved towards something that I could live with. Because yeah. I was still in it when, yeah, yeah, at the, in those days. Yeah. I really appreciated that, and a lot of people that we worked with were honest about their relationships mm -hmm. in the workplace, mm -hmm. and that's kind of now, like looking back on it, it's astounding because I know that is not the norm for most workplaces. No, and it's interesting, and even in those days, those earlier days. There was a culture of kind of divide the personal from the professional, and yet we found ways of tapping into the personal with each other. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. true. As a very young married person who was, we were facing so many different challenges in our relationship and in our lives. And that was really crucial for me to have that openness role model and also people just talking honestly about their relationships. Mm -hmm. I don't think I'd really ever experienced it mm -hmm. before then. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because yeah. people are always talking about their marriages just being happy. Yeah. 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 It was almost like we walked in the doors of work and it was like, okay, now we can really live our lives, <laughs> right? Like we can... <laughs> so weird. I know. A little backwards, but okay. Yeah. Yeah. And now we're friends. And now we're friends. Yeah. Liza, you are going to tell your divorce story. Right. And so, I'm going to sit and I'm going to listen. Okay. Okay. So I was married in my 30s about 18 years ago. And I split about four years ago. So we were married for about 15 years. And we lived together for a few months before we got married, but it, it no, we lived together. So we, we started dating and we kind of moved in together right away. And we, uh, I remember saying to my roommate at the time, he's not the marrying type. And, and, I, and I knew it from our first date that, that he's not the marrying type, but, but, you know, we were on this kind of roller coaster of excitement in that first little while of, you know, the drunkenness of dating. And we moved, we moved in together, like really within, I don't know, four or five months. And then a year later we got married. And, and when, when we, after we split, after I ended our relationship, uh, four years ago, we lived together for another six months in the same house, which was tough. Uh, but we did that because we had a kid together and we had a house together and we needed to kind of figure that part out. Um, we're still not through the divorce paperwork, so I'm going to stick with the separated part. Um, the pace of that process has not been mine. It's been his, but, um, but I'm willing to respect it. So initially we got married because it was actually super important to him. Um, ironically, he's a really super alternative and progressive person, but in family and gender roles and marriage, there was a really clear need for uh, gender division of roles. And, and some of that has to do with because of how he related to his masculinity. It was really important for him to affirm his masculinity. 
and to have commitment and vows and have those underlying what he thought would be the hard work of a relationship, right? And I actually never thought I would get married from childhood. I'm, I'm actually a child of divorce and step-parents, multiple. And I never really, and all of those divorces started from the age of six. So, you know, I mean, while I had, you know, pretty solid parenting relationship for those formative years, I, as an adult, really didn't believe in forever. Um, so it, it was kind of this odd feeling of like, well, I'll do it, but I'll do it because it's important to him and, it, and, and to affirm his kind of experience of life. I, I was willing to do that. I thought that that was, yeah, I loved him. And I thought that that would be a really lovely kind of way of, of supporting him. He knew when we met that I was bi. I had been with women before I met him. And I remember he asked me if I was straight enough for him. <laughs> yeah. Also, so when we met, we were already in the second half of our 30s and my biological clock was ticking and I knew I wanted a kid. Um, and he fit the bill as a great father. He, uh, he, he had always worked with children, so I mm -hmm. knew that children were such an important part of his life. Um, and then with some fertility support, we had our kid. And he was, as expected, a terrific parent. Um, in fact, six months after we had our kid, I went back to work and he stayed at home um, mm -hmm. until she was a, a year and a half. And when she was little, he played a, a much more primary parent role than I did. Um, he was able to hear her and understand her and read her and steer the parenting in a way that made sense to me. So, so that was good. You know, we, we had good times. We built a home together and we did things that we both enjoy, a nature, camping, food. But, but I think even early on, we had intimacy challenges, which is partly why I remember saying to my roommate, he's not the marrying type. Mm. I knew it was like a, a, a flash of excitement and passion, but I, I, I kind of, I don't know, there was something about always knowing that it wouldn't last forever. Mm. And I, you know, I held on to resentments around things that he would do or say that felt super self-serving at my expense that were never worked through. So we had a lot of unsaid, unfinished business. Um, some of it around how our relationships to money, um, mm. the way he would be super adamant about the things that he needed and my role was just to accept those things. Mm -hmm. um, and then also the fact that he was really struggling with mental health issues and addiction. I mean, we didn't, we didn't know that um, he was suffering with those things in mm. the first half of our marriage at all. They, be, they became more clear, um, he self-diagnosed both of those which was, uh, to some extent, a relief. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, by the time we became aware of them, my empathy muscles stopped working, and we'd fought over which one of us was being victimized more, and it would always come around to me realizing that I had, you know, immense amounts of privilege in comparison to him. Um, mm -hmm. And so it would leave me feeling like it would be too cruel to actually leave. So then I'd become a martyr, and then it'd become this whole cycle where I'd resent and on and on. So a lot of that, a lot of the struggle in our relationship was around kind of that dynamic. I'm a pleaser, and I, you know, he, he was always really good at saying or screaming what his needs were and are, 
And so I would bend over backwards to meet them. And there was this kind of independence and codependence division. I'm a super independent person and always was, which is probably why I never thought I'd get married. He was always codependent and always believed that, that was a good thing. Hmm. Um, that love and, and codependence in a familial relationship and his parents, you know, they, they were together until one of them died. Like there is this, this commitment. Um, and he came from that place of commitment. So he really would work hard towards it. Um, with this codependence coming from him and him being so, so clear about what his needs were, I would always agree and I would let go of my needs. And I did it so often through the dynamic of relationship. I stopped even hearing myself and I lost the ability to even know what it was that I wanted. Mm -hmm. um, so eventually, and pretty early on in those 18 years, I just checked out. And I, I didn't feel like I could leave at the time, but I checked out. And... And he, he knew that and he wanted to, you know, go into marriage therapy, which I agreed to do. Um, but, it, you know, it didn't go very far because I was already gone. Let me just say, because I've now, I've now, you know, commented on his addiction and his mental health, but I, I have to say that it was during our marriage while we were together that he decided to face his addiction head on and he became sober cold turkey and like this man can do hard things, man. Yeah. He's still sober. Wow. And, uh, and, and, you know, hats off to how hard he struggled on that and continues to struggle every day. That being said, his mental health actually suffered when he stopped his addictions in ways that became really difficult uh, yeah. to live with. And I did end it. Uh, but I think he would have ended it. It was just that he was all, always more willing to do work on our relationship than I was. And by the time I was done, I was so done. There really wasn't any more working on it because I was already checked out. And marriage counseling didn't work, obviously. If, if, if one person doesn't want to be counseled, it doesn't work anymore. And that was me. I remember one of your previous guests was talking about their former spouse and how you know, she was talking about how her former spouse has a job where he was a problem solver and he had all the skills to untangle problems there, but he wouldn't use those skills towards their marriage. Mm. I felt like she literally grabbed those words right out of my ex's mouth because he said those things to me huh. often. He was like, you are able to manage teams. You know how to solve problems. You do your relationship work every day at work and you come home and you're proud of it. And then you won't do anything of that with me. And, and it was true. It was heartbreakingly true. I, I wouldn't. And, and, you know, I can see how frustrating that must have been. Mm -hmm. uh, we, were, we were just so different and we saw things from different perspectives. And eventually, because we were so argumentative and he was challenging me all the time and then I would be defensive, the dynamic became one where I felt responsible for his emotions and this was of course before he became aware of his mental health addiction issues and I just couldn't get over the resentment for how he treated me mm -hmm. I, I just I I held on to the grudges mm -hmm. um, yeah and I think you know at different times through the relationship we felt like we were giving up too much of ourselves making too many concessions for the other, too many compromises for the other. And it became this kind of cycle of, of who does more of that. 
Um, and then those turns turned into resentments. We each wanted the other to be different. We were striving for something else. We weren't being content with what was there in front of us. Um, and our intimacy suffered. And then it became my problem because I didn't want to have sex. And so we did have an open relationship. I just never acted on it. Mm-hmm. And I was okay with it. You know, it wasn't like I, I didn't jump into a place of jealousy. Yeah, that's my story. <laughs> yeah. How does it feel saying all of that out loud? I don't know. I want to go. It's kind of, it's kind of I, it was pretty disjointed, I feel. But I covered a lot of ground. And it was all true. I mean, it really is true. There's so much more to the story, of course. You can't kind of distill it in no. 15 minutes. But Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I'm being honest. I think so. I think that was reflected, reflective of the things that you, you have shared with me over the years. Yeah. Was there a distinct kind of beginning of the end or breaking point for you? Well, I think in the end, you know, his mental health had deteriorated so much that he became pretty unbearable to be around. He really struggled with early childhood trauma, PTSD, and I felt like my life became too narrow. I was making important choices to support him, but in the process, I was giving up things that were important to me. Um, and I realized I just couldn't do it anymore. I, there were too many moments where I knew I would be better off on my own. And, you know, there were just times where we, we both became aware that we weren't bringing out the best in each other and that I had, I really had lost myself completely. I mean, he had lost himself as well through his, through his mental health problems, but I, I was feeling like I really had lost myself I mean and that doesn't mean of course that I don't struggle with my own mental health problems yeah (laughs) yeah I think I've been talking about his a lot but not my own (laughs) oops um you know and 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 I guess I I felt so much guilt about knowing that I needed to end it um but in the end I had to do it for me and my kid and Mm -hmm. it, it was super hard on our kid and she suffered some scars for sure but it's hard to know if it's just each of us in general fucking up, you know, because yeah. we do. That's what we do as parents. We fuck up our kids. That's our job. Yeah. <laughs> um, or if our split did that. Like, I think our split probably did a considerable bit of damage to her. But I would still argue that our split was for the best in the end for all of us. Yeah. To some extent. To differing extents, maybe. Yeah. When... When and why did you decide to leave? Yeah, I was just, um, I mean, if finally we were, we were in couples therapy with a couples therapist who was freaking awesome. Mm. Although, you know, she lost us, but I think she has more wins than losses, if yeah. we're being honest. And she was using the Gottman, the Gottman techniques. Mm-hmm. And, and, and my ex was always, uh, very um, interested in exploring Gottman techniques. And so we had done our own work on Gottman before we went into therapy. And, you know, there was a moment in the therapy where I realized this is, I'm I'm not being honest enough because really all I want to do is flee this relationship. I'm not actually wanting to work on it anymore. 
And so it was in a moment of therapy that I said, we're, we're actually really done. This is it. I'm going to leave. Um, and it was, it was quite a bomb explosion. It was unexpected, I think. Yeah. But I felt so relieved having said it. And I, I knew that it was what I needed for me. And I had really spent so much time doing what I thought he needed what was best for him yeah and keeping him healthy and keeping him happy and actually not having success on either fronts right because it wasn't mine to do yeah right yeah <sighs> what did you think of Gottman you know I mean I I I'm not the most touchy-feely therapy-ish person. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, that doesn't mean I haven't had my fair <laughs> yes. share of therapy. I have uh, before my breakup and after my breakup. And, you know, I also come from uh, a family of various therapists that have tried various different techniques on me and on others. So <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but... <laughs> Uh, so, you know, when my ex brought Gottman into our relationship, I, I rolled my eyes a little at first, but I, I actually found a lot of the approaches to be, um, uh, pretty solid, like mm. pretty, pretty interesting in terms of, um, really allowing yourself to be honest with yourself before you can be honest with your partner mm -hmm. and the whole idea of building intimacy in, in honest and fair ways. And, and, and placing a lot of emphasis on communication and facing each other in the process of that communication. I thought that was really solid stuff. And I can see how it can actually help to build, you know, some solid building blocks for a good relationship. Yeah, I think by the time we used it, we were already doomed. Yeah. I read actually in a Gottman Instagram post uh their instagram account is fire they're like posting multiple times a day mm. that couples are like six years late to therapy or like six right. years from when the root problem the root fear the root resentment started yeah yeah mine wasn't six years but i think i can trace mine back like at two wow ours was definitely six years quite possibly closer to 10. Yeah. And I'll take responsibility for that. That wasn't my ex's problem. And what that wasn't his fault. He would have done he would have had us go to couples therapy way earlier than we did. Right. But I was reticent because I really felt like a lot of our problems were his. Right. Yeah. I mean, I do think individual therapy makes a huge difference. Absolutely. In the health of a relationship, for right. sure. Yeah. Did you have any fears in leaving? I did. I mean, uh, I didn't have fears about, I, I don't think I had the standard fears that a lot of women feel when they leave a long marriage, um, a, a long hetero marriage. I, I didn't have those fears in part because I'm pretty solidly middle class, so I didn't have the fear of losing all my money. Mm -hmm. I didn't have the fear of never being able to love again because I had seen my parents, you know, break up and love again. Well, I had fears about, about our kid. I had fears about, about him. Uh, I felt a deep sense of responsibility towards him. 
I still do to some extent for his well-being for his well-being for his mental health for his ability to function in society yeah wake up day to day do life things yeah you know so you know to some extent I had those kinds of fears certainly I had the fear of what it would do to our kid and as I said before I think we did our job fucking her up by being together and fighting as long as we did when we were together um so you know whatever kind of impact we would have had on her would have happened anyway but yeah I think my fears had more to do with well also just the sadness of not having success you know Mm. what other people would have thought about that yeah you know my parents his parents our friends all the people who stood up for us at our wedding yeah you know which where you're building community to hold you firm yeah so there was that. There was the failure of what's going to be looking like. Yeah. Trying to figure out how to explain it to people. Not that I have anything to explain to anybody, but... That's hard to balance. Because a lot of people have asked me for the explanation. Like, explicitly. Almost. Really? You know? Yeah. Did you get that at all? <sighs> a little bit. But I think also in part because we're so much, we're, we were quite... I don't know, in our, in through our lives, more mature, right. maybe it's less of a question that you would ask someone in their fifties when they're divorcing than right. someone in their late twenties. I don't know. Yeah. I didn't really get those questions. Yeah. Huh. That's interesting. I didn't get them. I feared them. I thought I would get them, but I didn't right. get them. I wonder if, I don't know. I wonder if that has to do with you being more transparent mm-hmm. With your friends about the challenges of marriage, or maybe that becomes people become more transparent about their marriages the more the relationship matures. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Because yeah. I think a lot of people had a lot of faith in my relationship with my ex. Yeah. Misplaced, clearly. Go figure, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Boy, were we wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, but it also, it's about what you show, right? Oh, no, absolutely. Like, it was a curated. Yeah. Though, less by my choice, I would say. Curated less by me. Yeah. Um, what are the... Do you and your ex have shared values that like underpin your approach to co-parenting. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's probably the strength of our relationship uh, now, and actually was probably the strength of our marriage too. We, um, we did we did the parenting thing really awesomely. I mean, the fact that we have an incredible child together is 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 a, a testament to that. He, um, you know, he knows kids really well. He knows teenagers really well. And I don't so much. And so I do rely, I, I, I acquiesce to his opinions. And he also really knows me really well and our kid. And so even now when, you know, my, my kid and I, we've, we've on and off had times where we really fought and did not get along and had hard times with each other. And, and he's been incredibly, Max has been so supportive in you know, talking me down when I'm being unrealistic because mm-hmm. he really gets me and knows me and is able to support me in my parenting. 
but then also knows our, our, our daughter well enough to be able to, you know, identify the kinds of things that I can draw on to give her what she really needs as a parent. So, yeah, I would say our values, um, you know, where we stand politically, what we believe is important in life, mm-hmm. what we believe in terms of truth telling, um, you know, around, around, around gender, around sexuality, around um, politics has been really, um, I think, our strength in our ability yeah. to parent. And, and I, really, I really trust his judgment in mm-hmm. parenting uh, all the time now. <laughs> yeah. And, and ask him for advice and support all the time. And when he's well, he's very well and good and able to give it. Yeah. And when he's not well, he knows he's not well. And he'll say, I'm not sure I can be the best at parenting advice right now. And then he still is really good at it. So, <laughs> no, I think it's that's an the one thing. thing for him. It, it totally is. It's the one thing that he's been able to stand firmly strong about yeah. through these you know, years of turmoil. Right. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's awesome. I'm lucky. I'm really lucky about that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so is our kid. Yeah. So what was the story that you told your kid? About the divorce? About the, the separation. About the split? Yeah. yeah. I, well, it, I mean, we worked on it a little bit in therapy on how we were going to say it. And, I mean, we remained in the house together for a while so that we could feel comfortable with it. Uh, I mean, I think, you know, he needed some time for it to make sense to him um, and not to have kind of like like to be able to have enough of emotional kind of comfort within the decision that that's what the decision had been made in order to be able to tell her about it. Um, but I, I think, you know, the story that we told her was mostly around the fact that we had, you know, grown apart and needed to be apart and, and, and weren't really able to continue um, because we were seeing the world differently and we were fighting a lot and it was really stressful. I mean, and you know, we didn't really need to tell her that. I mean, she was experiencing it. She could see it. Yeah. And, you know, I think I'm hoping there was a bit of relief in that. Um, Mm. I'm not sure if that's the story that she definitely got from both of us consistently. Yeah. I wonder what her take would be. It would be interesting to ask her now. What was the story your parents gave you when they were splitting? I don't know if she, yeah, oh, maybe one day I'll ask her. Do you talk about it at all now? Uh, not much. Yeah. No, I mean, I think, I think to some extent there's a sense of relief. Yeah. Um, I mean, certainly for me there is, and I think for her there is, and I think for him there is. I mean, I think we've all kind of moved to another place now. It's yeah. been long enough um, that, you know, we know that there's no kind of going back and for uh, figuring out how, how we can coexist. Mm-hmm. I mean, certainly she can't stand it when she sees the two of us hanging out together. Like there's some, you know, there were times when we became, when we really eked out a good friendship. Like we tried to build a little bit right. on our friendship. So, you know, I'd go over to his place, we'd be sitting around chatting and <laughs> the kid would be like, oh, I'm not sure I want to be around this because she had memories, you know, of it yeah. turning explosive. Yeah. It doesn't now. I mean, it's, we've had some really good distance. That's good. What has it been like dating since your separation? You know, it's been hit and miss. I mean, I had a, I had one great relationship after my split quite early on, possibly a little bit too early for my ex. 
but for me, it was it was it was lovely, and I, I'm still very 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 close friends with him. And uh, I mean, he changed my life in many ways, and gave me a real sense of understanding that I can I can have love, I can have relationship, I'm I'm capable of these things. The dating world, I've found a little bit daunting. I I have had, I, I've dated, I, I guess, I guess it'd be fair to say I've dated three men and they're all kind of within my age category and uh, they all have something in, in, in common and that is that they are completely focused on kind of their own personal growth so much so that there really isn't any space for me. And it's like they're just so broken. Their their therapy is so all-encompassing. They don't have any time. And it's just, uh, I think it would be hard to be a man in his 50s, a straight, hetero, cis man in their 50s right now. So you know my reaction to hearing you say that is like, oh, no. But so can you can you explain what you mean when you say that? I just, you know, okay, so they're broken. They live their lives not really knowing how to tap into their own emotional intelligence. They were never given the opportunity, really, to grow it. Men your age, presumably, Uh, to some extent, right? Like significantly more access, right? Significantly more access, significantly less stigma, right? But men in their fifties, they they never got, they never had that chance. They didn't even have the language of toxic masculinity. No, they don't. They don't even know what that is. No. Right? Like, no. No, no, no. no. They don't, they, even now, if you ask yeah. them, right? So, so, so these poor fuckers are, like, trying to have real relationships with women, but don't know. How? How. And their marriages have fallen apart, mostly because the women in their lives have left their asses. And now they're like, oh, my God, what the hell do I do? How do I connect? So they're in their own therapy. Mm-hmm. And they're they're peeling back this layers and layers of onions that really stink. And some of it has to do with their relationships with their mothers and some with their wives and some with their daughters. They're trying to figure out how to be with women and they really don't really necessarily know how. And it's really sad. I know. It's really sad. So, you know, here I am finally in my 50s going, okay, I think I, I yeah, I, and I've, you know, spent my life being with women, with trans men. I've gone through all sorts of different kinds of relationships. And now I'm like, okay, let's do this. Let's be with, you know, cis hetero men. And it's not so easy to do. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, even you saying that, like, I understand it's not to the same extent, but I still see the lingering challenges in my generation. Well, I'm sure it's true. Yeah. And it's... Uh, it, 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 I mean, we live in a patriarchal world. Yes. Of course it's true. Yeah. What's your kid's reaction been to you dating? Oh, you know, she's been pretty cute about it, actually. I mean, I think... Yeah, she gave me ideas for what I could put on my online profile, although that has not been very successful, for being honest. Only one of the three men that I've dated came through right. an online, yeah. At one point, that one of, one of the guys had stood me up and, and wasn't available, and I mentioned it to, she was like, yeah, weren't, weren't you going out with so-and-so last night? And I was like, oh, yeah, no, that fell through. And then it fell through again, 
And then, you know, like she literally sat me down and was like, I really don't think you should see him again. He's been ghosting you. This isn't healthy for you. So she like had something to say about it, even though she had met him and was like, oh, yeah, he seems like a nice guy. And she was like pulling the plug for me. So I was like, okay, she might actually have, you know, something to say about this. Then. I love that. I know. Then I went on date number two with this guy I met online. And we went out for dinner. And he was taking me home and it was late. It was like midnight or something on a school night. And she happened to be walking up the street. Her boyfriend was walking her back home um, at the same time that I was walking up the street to my house. Oh my God. And That's oh, so cute. Yeah, no, oh no. It wasn't they weren't walking. They were getting out of the Uber. Mm. So they got out of the Uber in front of the car, in front of our house. And my date was driving me also so we were both getting out of cars at the same time and oh. she saw me get out of this car and she like walks on over and like roll she she like wants him to roll down the window and take a look at him like she literally <laughs> was like yeah very bold afterwards oh he called god. me up and he's like my god your daughter is checking me out i was like yeah she wants to know who that is yeah yeah it was pretty cute yeah oh my god i love that yeah I'm kind of surprised she didn't, like, make him get out of the car and see how tall he was or something, right? <laughs> <Just> like... <laughs> Excuse me, you're sitting. I can't tell how tall you are. Ask him how old the car is <laughs> when he got a oil change last. Did he pay for dinner? I know. It's pretty funny. Anyway, oh she's, she's been pretty sweet about it and uh, totally okay with me, you know, going out and coming out. I mean, she'll, she'll, she'll joke about my perfume and stuff. Right. <laughs> it's pretty hilarious. Oh my gosh. But you know, it's not like I'm bringing anyone to sleep over at our house. Yeah. She's there. And it's not like I'm sleeping over at anybody's house because I got a kid at home. So, you know, mm. dating is a whole other thing, other negotiation. It's like learning to date again. It is. Really? Yeah. How has your relationship with your kid changed through the separation to now four years out? Hmm. You know, it's better now. It's a lot better. She was really angry in the beginning and she lashed out at me uh, more than she lashed out at her dad. And there's probably a lot of reasons for that. And they're probably all very healthy reasons. You know, he was, he was fragile in ways that I wasn't. Mm. Um, and, and she was angry and needed it to land somewhere. So we fought a lot and it was very hard. The first year was really hard now our relationship is is actually pretty solid she has a very stable home environment i really leave her alone a lot of the time and give her a lot of space she's got you know stable and patterns in her day-to-day -day, which is frankly important for young folk and i think she wanted that badly she mm. asked for that badly and and was able to, I was able to give it to her. Um, and we don't really mm. fight anymore. We have a harmonious space. It doesn't mean that we don't bitch and complain at each other here and there. We do. <laughs> yeah. But I think we jumped over, you know, those really hard early teen years. I, I feel like we jumped over them pretty quickly and moved right. into a solid friendship slash parenting really I don't roommates. get me wrong the parenting the parenting situation is still there but yeah we we have it we have a roommatey kind of situation right. here and there we 
which is fun and helpful. And, and, you know, there's a lot of trust and honesty. She tells me everything, which sometimes I don't want to hear, right? I mean, there's certain things that I just, <laughs> but I suppose maybe I'm the cool parent, which makes it okay. Right. In comparison to other parents. Her dad is also very cool. And I think she actually tells him other things that she doesn't right. tell me, which is good. I yeah. Think, you know. That sounds like a dream to me. Yeah. Because I didn't have that relationship with either of my parents. Like, I didn't, I couldn't tell them anything, so. But I wanted that. Did you feel judged? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. I'm the black sheep of the family. <laughs> <laughs> well, now my brother and I are uh, in a competition for black sheep of the family. <laughs> but now I'm not alone on that podium. What's your relationship with yourself like now? You know, it's so much better. I don't feel like I'm being dishonest with myself. I don't feel like I'm being dishonest with other people. Mm -hmm. I feel like I've got a newfound confidence. I mean, for years I appeared confident, but it was put on to some extent mm. uh, to cover up the fact that I kind of lost who I was. Um, yeah, I think we women do that a lot mm. <laughs> and it's, you know, yeah, it works for a while and then it doesn't work anymore and you realize that you're totally bullshitting everybody and yourself. <laughs> um, and so, I mean, I, I think I'm, I'm back to the independent person I always knew I would be and could be and should be. And, you know, I think I've softened a lot as well. Mm. Like I think. I, I, I had to harden myself in my marriage to some extent, which, which, which actually <laughs> didn't serve any of us well. I mean, it certainly didn't give my ex what he needed, which was empathy and support. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't able to give that to him. Yeah. Um, and it certainly didn't help my daughter, who was stuck in the middle um, and also needed empathy and support. So... You know, I think with the with the distance of the breakup, I have way more empathy and understanding of myself, but also of my ex. Like, I, I, I have so much respect for him, and I really want for him the best of everything. And, and I'm just glad that I, I don't feel like it's my responsibility anymore to complete him. Yeah. And to give him what, it, what, what he requests or what he needs. Because it wouldn't have worked anyway, even if yeah. I did. And I just feel grounded and more comfortable in my own skin and sexual in a way that I hadn't felt in a long time. Yeah. And I have a room of my own. And I've designed it the way I want it to be. And I have it looking the way I want it to be. And... I mean, of course, I probably could have done that within the context of my marriage, but I chose not to. Mm -hmm. I chose to give my ex the space to do that creative work. I, I gave that to him because it was also very important to him. Yeah. Um, and now I have that for myself. It's huge and lovely, and I don't even really pine over a relationship as much as dating can be a drag. It's not like I want to get through the dating just so I have another relationship. Yeah. I'm not looking for it. No. If it happens, yay. Yeah. But I, I, I have a much better relationship with myself now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Thank you to my dear friend, Liza, for joining the Big D to tell her story. In between episodes, join us on Instagram, at Big D Pod. Subscribe on all of the platforms where you can find podcasts. Finger that like button. Oh, also announcement. We are going to do a live public recording of the finale episode of this season. An in-person event. Stay tuned for the details and invite your friends, lovers, and exes. Original music was written, composed, and performed by the award-winning singer Posey. Thanks to my secret producer, you know who you are. This podcast is written, edited, sound foley, mixing, mastering, public relations by me, Miranda. So that means you may not get episodes on a perfect schedule. Thank you for your patience. And of course, thanks to all of my friends who believed I could and can, so I did and I do. Nobody talks about happening ever after the ending. I'm so sick and tired of pretending and happening ever after.